America, my name is Amir Jose Frimpong. Today you get a twofer because I just read a fantastic study and I just linked it um, in the description of this video and it, it says that they did study and they had controlled information. And it turns out that once white people found out that COVID um, disproportionately affects in terms of outcomes, black people um, and other outgroups, they retracted their support for safety measures. <laughs> right so it wasn't once they found out it was uh it, it didn't dis it didn't it didn't affect them as badly they were like well you know ooh, that sounds like a black problem not an american problem it was an american problem where it affected everyone the same but once we found out it disproportionately affected you know people who live stressed out black existences um it, it became uh, a black problem and that's, you know, I find that fascinating. And, and I'm going to talk about why it's fascinating in a few, in a few different ways, right? So I want, to, I want to be clear. The study's in the description, but the results were once whites found out that the outcomes of COVID were racialized, they withdrew support. So what this means is that there are going to be two sides. The first side says that if you really want your policy to go forward, you have to suppress information about who's affected, right? That's a problem. Second, if you want your racial justice policy to go forward, that's explicitly for racial justice, it has to be the kind of policy that everybody knows won't work because once they find out it works, the support will go. So there's an entire sea of policies um, that everybody don't knows everybody knows won't work, yet are very popular because everybody knows they won't work, including Obama's election, <laughs> depending on who you talk to. So I'm going to put an excerpt from uh, Mercer Baradwan's "The Color of Money" up, and it's going to be about Nixon's plan. Uh, to grow minority businesses. And so someone promised, so Nixon ran on a plan that he was going to grow minority businesses and start this association. And then someone's like, oh, that's a great idea. And they hired this person who said, that's a great idea. Came up with like a large budget and what they had to do to figure it out. And then when they finally presented that budget, and, and it was actually like, was going to be adequate to the problem of like growing uh, black businesses, what happened was he was he was pulled aside by his boss and said, oh, you, you don't understand. <laughs> we don't want to actually create back black business success. And I'm going to start reading at the underlined part. Um, Stans informed Rosier that the most important objective was to create black success stories. We don't want to create black success. We want to create black success stories. All right? And this is from, once again, this is from Mercer Baradaran's book the color of money they don't want to create black success they want to create black success stories so if your program's actually effective that's that you've broken some sort of deal that's not the deal we want to create black success your, your program's supposed to create black success stories that we can use to oppress the rest of the blacks not not create actual community-wide black success and what does that mean we need to talk about what that means um, because once people find out that it will actually work, 
the whites will pull support. And that's the part of the COVID analysis that we need to actually think through. What does it mean that once public awareness is risen such that we find out that it like something disproportionately helps black people, public support among the whites goes away. Like that's a very important like strategic thing to understand. And what does that mean for our democracy? And what does that mean for all of the programs that we say will help black people, but they don't? that do get funded, right? They're funded as frauds. And like I said, this is like, I think Obama's entire shtick. This was Obama's entire move and his entire campaign was I am in the body of a person, a program that um, is supposed to be uh, uh, good for racial justice, but won't actually do anything. That's why we sold himself to especially liberals and to some conservatives. That's what he says when he says there is no black America. I am a black guy telling you, you should, I'm a black guy you should support because I'm the black guy who says there is no black America. There is no white America. There's just the United States of America. Although, you know, if you look at incarceration rates, home ownership rates and um, mortality rates, there is a black America and a white America. So what does that mean that in order to get a universal policy passed, a policy that will disproportionately affect black people, it, it, the, it, it can't actually substantively work. And there's an academic uh, analogy of uh, people who get tenure and they get tenure in order to do courageous scholarship. That's like the idea of it. But you know, in order to get tenure, you've had to have checked a lot of boxes and do exactly what you're told. So if you actually do courageous scholarship after you get tenure, it's actually a little bit horrifying and surprising to the people who gave you tenure because <laughs> they didn't actually give you tenure to do that kind of scholarship. They gave you tenure just because, you know, to be safe because you've proven yourself to be safe. All right. So uh, this is why Cornell West didn't get tenure. Right. So, so what does, uh, so I hope that's clarified some of the draw of racial justice policies that don't actually work and then um, universal policies that somehow get killed and aborted in non-obvious ways. And I want to tie this to an interview I did just now with uh, Bhatia uh, Unga Sargon. Bhatia Unga Sargon. And because uh, it's a great interview, you should watch it, but because she thinks that actually the problem isn't white culture in the state governments, it's the woke politics. And that you could talk to like conservative whites about class issues, universal programs through class issues, and as long as you don't do it through woke politics, they're not going to, they're going to pass it. And I'm saying that actually, no, our state legislatures are the Klan, right? They will spend money and even die earlier if it keeps them above Black people. So as, as long as if you if you try to um, push a working class solution that is going to disproportionately help black people because we're disproportionately poor and working class, then the white poor will kill it. Right. And that's what I think the study about COVID shows. That if it's universal, the whites will kill it. So what does that or with, withdraw support? from it because it'll find once they find out it disproportionately helps black people that's enough for them to say nah i'd rather die earlier i'd rather cough a little bit um so bati is wrong insofar as she thinks that this is 
just a class issue and bringing race into it actually turns off whites. It's like, no, once the whites figure out that it disproportionately helps black people, they will withdraw support because they're white first. And this goes with working class whites, not just you know elite whites. So thank you for your time. And I hope this will be fruitful. If you appreciate anything I'm doing, go ahead and give to www.funkyacademic.com. Kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month to help me doing keep doing what I'm doing. And the study, like I said before, is in the the actual study is in the description. And if you want to see the interview I have with Bhatia, just go to one of the other videos on the channel. Thanks. <laughs>